0: Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. Everyone, Welcome back to another episode of the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen. Today on the show, we have a guest. Her name is Rosemary Logue. Rosemary and I used to work together at a weight loss clinic several years ago, and she's amazing. She's a great dietitian. She's going to talk to us today, not specifically about weight loss, but about plant-based eating, and what are some of the benefits of that style of eating, how can we all get started with eating more plants, and what we know from science about plant-based eating and its many, many benefits. She has over 30 years of experience in the field of nutrition and healthy eating. She has worked in acute care, long-term care, as an outpatient dietitian, as well as in pharmaceutical telehealth, physical rehabilitation, food industry, and food service management. She is currently working as an outpatient dietitian for an obesity clinic in a surgical and non-surgical setting, and she also participates in the Ornish Lifestyle Medicine Program to Reverse Heart Disease. She has two amazing adult children. One of them has been plant-based for three years now, so she knows from personal experience what it takes to adopt this kind of lifestyle. Rosemary also enjoys baking, and I can tell you she makes a killer Christmas cookie tray. And she likes gardening, walking, and just spending time with family and friends. We always have a good time together. We used to work together, as I said before, and we became friends. So I really, really am excited to have her on the podcast. And without any further ado, let's welcome Rosemary to the show. Rosemary Logue, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for today's discussion because it's a great topic and I know that you're going to give us all the best information and tips. So before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do, who you are, and what kind of clients do you work with?
1: So, I'm a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian for over 30 years. I've had a variety of experiences throughout my career. And most recently, uh, the population that I work with now is mostly related to weight management. So, I work at a center and we do both surgical and non surgical weight management programs. And I also am working with a cardiopulmonary rehab outpatient program. Through Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, which we'll talk about as we get a little bit further into our discussion.
0: So, we should mention that that's where we met, right? We met at the Center for Advanced Weight Loss, and you were working there as a head dietitian, and I came in as a little new dietitian that's kind of figuring out what she wants to do. And, you know, I said in my intro that you've been a mentor to me, and I really respect you, and I know that you do such great work. I'm really interested in talking today about your plant-based eating experience and tell us a little bit about what plant-based eating is all about and how it differs from some of the other lifestyle eating kind of approaches that are out there regarding not eating animal-based foods.
1: So my interpretation of a plant-based diet is really eating more plants. So eating more fruits, vegetables, whole grains in their most natural state. So we're looking to really, you know, encourage people to have that be a higher percentage of your intake on a regular basis. A lot of people think that plant-based is synonymous with being a vegan or a vegetarian, and that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. I think that Vegetarian diets, or people who kind of make that choice, it's for reasons other than just changing what they eat. It has a lot to do with animal cruelty and, um, you know, not wearing leather or animal products, as well as avoiding any animal foods. So not only will they not eat, you know, meat or eggs or dairy, but anything that's associated with an animal, things like honey or any derivative that is somehow associated with animals. And some of their food choices may not necessarily be healthy in the in the fact that they could be very high in fat. They can still be very processed and just not coming from animal products, but other sources. Right. So with plant-based eating, would you say there's a focus on eating more plants, but also the quality of the meals overall? I think both. And, you know, what's interesting to me and kind of preparing for this podcast is when we look at how we try to teach people to eat. Because as a dietitian, that's that's one of the things that we do, right? Like We try to teach people what's the best way to eat. And I get clients all the time, as I'm sure you do too, and they're like, okay, teach me how to eat. So when you look at the global recommendations in the United States, and we look at the dietary guidelines, we've gone from the basic four, and I don't know if you remember that, but I certainly remember that, And then we had the food guide pyramid. And more recently, we're looking at my plate. So when you look at those recommendations, basically what we're telling people is eat more plants. Eat, fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables. Fill a quarter of your plate with all grains. So now you have 75% of your diet or of your plate being plant-based. So it's kind of been a subtle evolution that's carefully been crafted, I think, by the policymakers not to exclude the animal products completely, but because there's so much confounding research to move people towards plant-based eating, when we look at what we've taught people how to eat, it's definitely moving more plant-based. And what
0: is the research? What kind of things are we seeing with science to support this kind of eating?
1: So we're seeing people prevent and reverse heart disease, decrease their incidence of certain types of cancer, particularly colon cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer, a lot of those cancers that are associated with changes in hormone balance. We're seeing people be able to control their blood pressure improve their lipid profiles even relationship to dementia and alzheimers and anxiety and just overall well-being emotional support depression so all of those things get better when people start to adapt a more plant-based eating plant-based diet and that's research that's looking specifically at whole foods plant-based whole foods diets right correct so You can be plant based or vegan and still be eating a lot of processed food. So, yes, we're definitely incorporating whole food plant based with those grains and fruits and vegetables and items that are in their more natural state. So, once you take a fruit or a vegetable or a grain and you start to process it and you strip away the fiber and some of the nutrients and all of the other benefits of that particular food, you see that you know, it's not making as much of a striking difference because there's lots of, you know, nutrition is still a relatively young science. And there's lots of components to whole foods that we don't even understand yet. But we kind of, you know, as more and more research is done, we start to see, oh yeah, there's, there's phytochemicals and there's different types of fibers and there's different nutrients and there's all these medicinal properties of you know, whole foods, particularly plant-based foods that other cultures have been using for years and years. And even though they don't fully understand why it's working, it's working so when you look at you know some cultures that are using things like you know ginger and turmeric and you know some spices or they're eating lots of plants and then we look at their incidence of disease and we see like oh yeah this is why they have less of all of these chronic diseases that you know, are, are becoming of epidemic proportions in our society. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I just did a podcast about supplements and just telling people, yes, you do sometimes need to supplement with certain things, but you can't really take a shortcut with garlic capsules or ginger capsules or turmeric or things like that the benefit that we know is far greater than just isolating the one component and taking it in a synthetic form. There's something to be said, like you are saying right now, for the whole food, for 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 the benefit that we get from just breaking down the food and the body kind of utilizing the different components to a greater benefit. So I think that that's one, you know, misconception that is hard for people to wrap their head around sometimes. Tell us a little bit about how this how you see this also with weight management working to help people manage their weight because specifically it is a higher carbohydrate diet by nature, right? It
1: is. So one of my favorite taglines when I'm, you know, meeting with clients and I'm showing them, you know, different food groups and I give them a list of all of the non-starchy vegetables. So all of your, you know, greens and the vegetables that are, you know, naturally lower in carbohydrate and higher in fiber. And I always tell people, no one is here because they ate too many things off this list
0: and that the truth.
1: <laughs> so, if you're going to make one change, let it be to eat more vegetables. And I think that that is a big component of why so many of the clients that are coming here are obese because they're they're not eating a lot of the things off of that list for a multitude of reasons. It's expensive. It's too much work. I don't have time. I don't know how to prepare them. So sometimes when we look at, okay, what can we add to your diet? Not so much what are we going to take away, but let's add more vegetables. Let's experiment with how to prepare them. Let's grill them or roast them. Or each week, let's try a different you know vegetable. And what happens is when you increase your consumption of vegetables, you're automatically pushing out some other foods because they're more filling. They take longer to eat. You have to chew them and you start to appreciate more of the flavors. And and those are subtle changes that can start to produce weight loss. What about things
0: that, you know... So vegetables, I think when we think about vegetables, we think, like you said, about the specific things that would make up a salad or a stir fry or leafy greens and things like that. How do people stay satiated, though, throughout diets like this? What are some of the things that add bulk and and fullness and of course protein to these diets.
1: Well, I think uh, in addition to the vegetables, um also the whole grains, legumes, beans, um some of those plant-based components that are also very good sources of protein. So, we're trying to complement, you know, protein along with fiber, but not necessarily animal-based protein. However, you know, one of the things that I really like to incorporate and and encourage clients is trying to make up bowls as a meal. So you take a bowl and you fill it with lots of, you know, vegetables and maybe add some grains and legumes. And if you would like to include some animal protein, it becomes more like a condiment. So it's not the main ingredient in your meal, but if you want to include a little bit of that, you can. So when you're complementing and combining protein and fiber, those are the components that are really going to keep you more satiated.
0: Oh, I like that idea of using the animal protein as a condiment. That's that's really good.
1: Mm-hmm. So maybe taking one hard-cooked egg and chopping that up and mixing it into a bowl with some wilted greens and some quinoa and maybe some, you know, roasted vegetables so the egg is like a source of protein or an ounce of chicken or a lean meat if you want to still include those items. So they're not the main focus of the meal but rather a, a, you know using it almost like a dressing or a crumble or something, you know, some way that you would use another component of the diet. And now it's, you're still including it, you're getting that flavor, but the bulk of what you're eating is more plant based.
0: And even if someone didn't do this, those diets, a plant based diet, is it's got plenty of protein, right? So contrary to what I think a lot of people think, it's not hard to get to your protein goals with a plant based diet.
1: Is that right? That is absolutely correct. And what people don't realize sometimes is that you're getting traces of protein um, and sometimes even more than traces. There could be several grams of protein in something like quinoa or some brown rice or some of your vegetables or whole grain cereals so when you have the food in its most natural state there is some protein in there so we're i think brainwashed to think that you can only get protein from something that walks or swims when that's not necessarily the case
0: yeah i think there's so much emphasis on low carb high protein and that's where you know a lot of of the mindset about dieting or weight loss or just health in general comes I think there's a fear of carbs for a lot of people
1: there is and I think that's so sad and and I think a lot of clients get very frustrated and they can't they think that they can't eat carbohydrates and they associate all of their problems with the fact that um, oh I can't eat carbs so when mm-hmm. you look at the type of carbs, even with diabetic patients, when we see patients that are diabetic or clients that have insulin resistance or are struggling with some, you know, weight-related insulin-related diseases, when they adapt a whole food plant-based diet, even though it's technically higher in carbohydrate, it's so much higher in fiber. These foods have a lower glycemic index. Mm-hmm. They're getting into the system slower. They're not causing that demand for insulin. So you're eating carbohydrate and your blood sugars are improving. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes is a is a hard conversation, you know, to kind of make people understand.
0: Yeah, because I know for my clients, you know, sugar and fruit is of concern and even things like carrots and beets, I always hear, but they're high in sugar. And I really think the media has a lot to do with it and misinformation out there on the internet and things like that. It's just, these are sound bites that people hold on to, you know, and and they hear and they kind of, that's what we remember, even though it's so far from the truth and it's so taken out of
1: context. Exactly. And, you know, the same thing with like bananas or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, some of those other vegetables that you mentioned. And again, it goes back to... That statement. Do you really think you're here because you're eating too much of these fruits and vegetables? Let's look at some other components of your diet where we can, you know, maybe make some changes. Yeah.
0: So you're saying that even if someone has insulin resistance or blood sugar is a little elevated, there shouldn't be a concern following a plan that has lots of fruit, lots of things like, you know, sweet potatoes or even bread, pasta if it's combined with real food, non-starchy vegetables and mixed in a way that gives balance between the components of the meal.
1: I agree. And I think that this is where as dieticians, we can really do our best work and work with these clients to say, okay, you you can include bread, but let's look at the type of bread that you're eating. Let's go with something that's higher in fiber and whole grain. And proportionately, In relationship to how much bread you're eating, maybe we need to cut that back a little bit and increase your vegetables, increase some of your legumes, but we don't necessarily have to leave that out completely. So on your individual goals, are you looking to improve insulin resistance? Are you looking to lose weight? What is your primary goal? And then we can kind of help you to understand how many servings of these things that you want to be including in your diet and and where you can find that balance. I'm a very firm believer, and I always have been, that every food can, can fit into a healthy diet, and I still believe that. But if you were to ask me now, what do I want you eating most of the time and more of? Hands down, it's those vegetables.
0: And are there any brands or specific products that make it easier for people to prepare and kind of be more, um, you know, we're all looking for quick and easy and sometimes even on the go. And that's, I think, a lot of clients um, issue or kind of point of being hesitant about really fully adopting this is that it's not as convenient or maybe it is and I'm not aware, but it is it takes a little bit more work. Would you agree with
1: that? I agree. And I think that when you start to look and you make a decision that, okay, I'm going to really make an effort to, you know, increase my consumption of, you know, fruits and vegetables and a plant based diet overall, the choices are there. So let's say you're on the road and you typically will stop at a fast food, you know, establishment, go through the drive through and pick up lunch or whatever. So are there places where you can get salads? Yeah, definitely there are. Maybe you are you haven't looked at those choices, but they're there. Can you walk into a convenience gas station and find some foods that are more whole food plant-based? Maybe they're not staring at you when you walk in the door. They're not lined up with the candy and the cigarettes, but they're in there. So if you kind of go around to the to the back of the refrigerated area maybe you'll find some carrot sticks with hummus, some hard-cooked eggs and a salad, some yogurt if you are including dairy products more as you know a condiment type item. So I think the choices are there. If Even if you go to a lot of Mexican rest, franchise restaurants, you can make a bowl with black beans and lettuce and tomato and onions and peppers and salsa and maybe a little guacamole. And if you wanted to include some chicken or tofu, again, it's more like a condiment. So I think the choices are there, but it's just kind of training yourself to look for them a little bit more.
0: What about fat content? Is there any part of the Ornish diet that you're certified in and this whole approach of plant-based eating? What is the philosophy around eating fat from plant-based sources?
1: Yeah. So the whole, you know, Ornish is a lifestyle change that The diet is certainly one component, but there's other components of that integrative approach as well. So it's not only what you're eating, it's how much you're exercising, how are you managing stress in your life, and are you connected in terms of love and support? So it's kind of like a four pronged approach that's shown to not only prevent, but reverse heart disease. Mm -hmm. And when someone has heart disease, you really need to hone in on the amount of fat to kind of start to break down that plaque and reverse the heart disease. So the Ornish program is whole food plant-based, but it's very low in fat, less than 10%. So there's no added oils or nuts are very limited. Nut butters are excluded, avocado, olive oil, any processed oils are not included in that plan. Mm. But I think for the person who doesn't have heart disease or maybe has heart disease but doesn't know it yet, they want to be conscientious of the fat content, but maybe don't need to take it to that degree and can still get the benefit. So some plant-based foods are naturally high in fat. If you look at avocados, olives, all of the nuts and seeds. Um, And again, it's the moderation. It's also total calories too. Those foods are also calorically dense. So it's a good type of fat, but still needs to be moderated for for weight management in particular. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone that's not a good candidate for this kind of eating? You know, when I was preparing for our discussion today, I, I saw that as a question and I really had to think a long time about that and I'm not really coming up with anyone. Well, that's
0: a good sign, right? Yeah,
1: I think so. How about you? Do you do you feel that there's anyone who maybe should not try to increase their intake of of plants?
0: Not really. I mean, it really all depends on how you do it. Again, I think that you have to look at the quality of the diet. So that's a very important component. I always tell people, you know, a vegan muffin is still a muffin and a Plant-based fried foods, you know, a tempura vegetable is still fried and has a lot of oil. So there's some nuance nuances that people need to pay attention to, and I think that's why working with a dietitian can really help. Mm-hmm. But having the whole foods mindset and really looking for those opportunities for minimally processed items, I don't see anyone that wouldn't benefit from that.
1: Yeah, I I really couldn't think of anyone either. I have noticed in in some restaurants, they do seem to be offering more plant-based options. Some are good choices and some not so much. There's some meat substitutes that are very high in fat, very high in calories, even though they're vegan or or plant-based. So I think working with a dietitian and trying to cultivate that knowledge on how to kind of weed through some of these choices and come up with things that will be healthy um, and more plant-based and help you, you know, manage your weight and, and kind of improve your overall well being. Yeah.
0: Have you heard or seen or tried the Beyond Meat products?
1: I have. And that's exactly what I was referring to. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. I wasn't sure if I could mention that particular item. Yeah. Yeah. But when I looked at the label on that, I was like, wow, this is really high in fat.
0: Yeah. And the, I, th- I just looked at it the other day at Sprouts Market. They opened the sprouts near me and It's very high in calorie, which is likely related to the fat, higher than a regular burger. And even though, you know, it's pea protein based, the ingredient label is not as clean as I would have liked it to be.
1: There's a lot of stuff in there yeah I agree. There's some good alternatives, you know, maybe some black bean burgers or you know in, in in that case, maybe even you know taking half of a turkey burger and mixing that in with a salad might be a better option than that particular choice.
0: yeah you see, I think that's where people get really confused absolutely. That's where things get very confusing. My kids didn't approve of that burger, by the way, I did buy it because I wanted to see if uh, that's how I test if foods can pass. (laughs) It didn't, didn't pass. And, you know, I, I think that the other confusing part, so that's pea protein, which is very popular. What about things that what I call frankensoy, where soy has been super processed and made into all kinds of different things? Is that a concern? a lot of the protein bars that would have soy protein isolate or some of the pretend meat products also have highly processed soy as a a main ingredient. Mm -hmm. Are those recommended?
1: So I think anytime you highly process anything, it loses some of its, you know health properties and its components that we're trying to preserve. So if you look at, you know, soybeans in the form of let's say edamame or even tofu, that's very different than how your body would kind of recognize those soy isolates or sometimes, you know, soy as a filler. So I think uh, a moderate amount of soy and I know that there's a lot of concern especially with women with the relationship between soy and estrogen and i think soy in its most natural state in moderation can definitely be a component of a healthy diet but i think any time that you start to process something there's there's going to be changes in how your body recognizes that
0: Yeah. And I think for my clients, a lot of people don't like tofu and that's a little bit of a hard product to get started with, but the soybeans, the edamame are really delicious and very easy and you don't really need to do much to them. You can just throw them in salads or soups or stir fries, omelets. So that's even less processed and it, you know, it's not fermented, which does have some benefits, but it's a, it's a great
1: place to start with soy. Absolutely. And I love the edamame that are in the pod because it's a little interactive. It gives you something to do. It takes a little bit longer to eat. And I'm all into that, like, you know, playing with your food, like getting a pomegranate and picking out the seeds and, you know, things that are just kind of forcing you to pay attention a little bit more to what you're eating. And it's kind of like delaying that you're not just inhaling it. You have to do a little work you know, to eat it. And I think that sometimes that's a good thing.
0: Yes, absolutely. So give some tips on how someone could get started. If someone's listening today and they want to give it a shot, what would you say is a good place to start?
1: There's so many different places to start, but I think that just trying to make some time to prepare your vegetables in advance. So I know that a lot of us are working We have very busy schedules and sometimes, you know, fruits and vegetables take some time to, you know, prepare and clean. So carve out some time each week, try to do it in advance. If you live near a market, especially now in the summer, there's a lot of pop-up markets that are, you know, coming and they're very seasonal. We have lots of local Fresh fruits and vegetables, especially in New Jersey, so take advantage of that. You know, start spending some time, making some time each week to purchase and prepare more vegetables, and include those in your in your routine. The one thing that I I do want to mention that we haven't talked about, but I think is really important, and we'll come back to how to increase your intake of of uh, more plant based eating, is the relationship between. The gut microbiome, what's happening in the intestinal tract and your relationship to more of a plant-based eating. I think that a lot of people and women in particular are dealing with changes in their bowel habits, a disruption in that intestinal bacteria that we need to be in such a good balance, you know, for alleviating constipation and, you know, different digestive processes problems that we may have. And there has been more research in that area showing that a diet that's very high in animal products can disrupt the intestinal bacteria and also contribute more to inflammation and some other diseases that we want to try to control. So just another plug why we want to, you know, eat a more healthy plant-based diet. Yeah,
0: there's so much research about the gut microbiome now and how it's, it's, Yes, it's so beneficial for healthy digestion, but it's really being discovered for so much more than that. Like you said, inflammation and even mood and cravings and a lot of different things that the gut bacteria is kind of signaling the brain to to do certain things, release release certain hormones and things like that. so very, very important and yeah, yeah. and I think that when people deal with excess weight and Poor diet, digestive issues are very common, right along with that. Mm -hmm. So,
1: it's
0: all a part of a
1: bigger picture for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's interesting too is a lot of times, like when you look at, you know, some of the research or some of the things that kind of pop up in the media, you know, kind of promoting more of a plant based diet. There's parts of it that we still don't fully understand, but when we look at what's different in two populations, so I know one of the things that you sometimes talk about with women is you know, fertility and PCOS. And when we look at fertility rates and the incidence of certain hormonally related diseases, we see that the populations that are eating more plant-based diets Have a lower incidence of those problems. So we don't really understand why, but we see that that's a major difference. Mm -hmm. So the people that are eating more animal products, more saturated fats, more trans fats, you know, red meats and, you know, processed foods and high sugar intake, we see that the rates of those things are higher than the ones that are eating a more plant-based diet lower saturated fat, less animal protein. So maybe we don't fully understand why, but we see the difference. So mm-hmm. that's enough of a reason to move in that direction even if it hasn't fully been explained yet.
0: And one of the things that I talked about in the podcast is moderation and of course eating in a way that's more 80/20. So 80% of the time you're you're on track and everything's good and 20% of the time you're a little less, I would say strict or mindful about what it is that you're doing, would that be something that someone can apply here as well?
1: Absolutely. That's real life. And to think that you'll never, never is a very long time and is not probably realistic or necessary or sustainable. And then if people aren't adhering to that, they feel like a failure. So I definitely take that approach. What are you doing most of the time so that on occasion you can still include some of those things. And, you know, when you start to do them too often, you'll see the difference. Mm-hmm.
0: What about supplementation? Does anyone, it, it, is this something that someone needs to augment with
1: vitamins and minerals? I think if you move to a completely plant based diet and you're not eating any animal products at all, there are, Some concerns, particularly with B12, but you can get B12 from some plant sources as well. So it's probably not a good idea to take a broad spectrum multivitamin just to cover your bases. Is it absolutely necessary? Probably not. If you're getting a wide variety of the plant based foods in your diet, kind of paying attention to the different colors and the different food groups and assuring that you're getting you know, a good variety. Um, but I don't, I don't think it would hurt. And now do you need mega supplementation of anything? I, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Are
0: there any other things, thoughts, comments, or any other, um, ideas that you want to leave us
1: off with as we wrap up? the so one thing that uh, has brought to my attention recently that I think is a really great idea sometimes sometimes i hear a lot about the cost of eating healthy and that it is so expensive to eat more fruits and vegetables and when you look at what's available at the markets it seems like you know the the cost of food in general is definitely escalating no doubt about it but there's definitely some options there's i don't know if you're familiar with this but there's a website for like misfit vegetables where <laughs> they'll, they'll deliver to, to your house on a, a weekly basis produce that is still perfectly acceptable to eat, but they can't sell it because it's not pretty. It's not the right shape. So that could be a really good way to start to incorporate more, you know, produce and how much more convenient can it be than it comes delivered to you once a week. So maybe looking for things like that for some more ways to increase the, the plant-based approach. And if you can get your family on board, that's great. Try to make them exciting and colorful and look for different ways to prepare all of those items and, and just eat more plants. Great.
0: What, what is that website? I'm going to link to it in the
1: show notes. Uh, Misfit Vegetables Market, I believe it is. All right. You'll send it you to me. Google, Google Misfit Vegetables. Yeah. There's a couple of different options and yeah, it's it's, it's really cool. I thought that was was a great uh, a great find.
0: Yeah. I love that. All right. Great. Rosemary, thank you so much. You've given us so many good tidbits of information and advice. I really think that this is the way to go for most people. Like we said, there's pretty much no one that would not benefit from this. So I really encourage my clients and my listeners to give it a shot and really take a look at how they can increase their vegetable intake and plant-based
1: food intake overall. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview and I've found a lot of great insights, strategies, and information in what we discussed today. For more information, please visit the show notes below so you can get all the details, links, and recommendations that were discussed today. And if you like this podcast and what you've heard today, leave a review and subscribe to the show so you never miss when new episodes are out and you also help more people find this information. I'll be here again next week with a new episode. Until then, be well. Bye for now.